Hey guys, welcome back to another Weird Wednesday. I'm Ashers and this is... Pet O. And also... Adam. Oh my gosh, just Adam. No, we're gonna... <laughs> no, it's okay, that's great. You did a great job. It's like Cher. <laughs> just like, yes. <laughs> I, buy, I buy that. Um, oh my god, guys, we have a, another guest. You guys really were on top of it um, when you were giving guest suggestions. And, um, you know, we've got many more people to to have on in the future. But this has been a lot of fun talking has to everybody. This, has this all been from the suggestion pool? All, every single one of them, yeah. I thought, it was, I thought it was like a Midwestern theme because everybody's been from... Everybody... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, the Midwest, yeah. I mean, it might be. Maybe we have a lot of uh, Midwestern people, or maybe it's just that Midwesterners are extra weird, so there's plenty of us to have on. Um, sure. But no, guys, this week we have Adam from the uh, Pine the Pine Barrens in- Institute. What, founder? Is that? Yeah. yeah. Lord? The Lord of the Pine Barrens Institute? <laughs> the, the occasional operator, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> No, um, Adam is actually uh, a great friend of, of our of our friends, um, Emily and, and Tobias Whalen, right? You guys are all like, that's your group, right? Yeah, we uh, we only live like 20 minutes or wa- 20 minutes or so away from one another. And um, we actually stumbled upon each other um, by chance through Tumblr, because when when I started doing stuff, you know, I was posting stuff and I was tagging it, uh, Wisconsin and Midwest and stuff. And then I saw people reblogging um, stuff that they were doing and they were tagging Wisconsin and stuff. So I reached out to them like, hey, whereabouts are you? Because I'm here too. And it turned out they were in Madison at the time. So I was like, holy crap, like I actually know someone close. And then, you know, for the past few years now, I've uh, been going out like investigations, uh, hikes, uh, meeting up, just just building this little weird circle. That's awesome. And, uh, it's been fantastic. That's a that's a that's a great love story right there. I I like that. Um, that's <laughs> no, that's that's amazing. I had no idea. I thought you guys were like maybe you had grown up with one of them or something. I mean, I because you guys were you know in such a close proximity to each other. That's that's really cool. I I love that. Wow, very power good. of the internet. Very, I, you know what? Sometimes sometimes it's good. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're there. Well, um, let's go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, uh, you know what, actually, Pat, how was your weekend? I almost didn't ask you how your weekend was. Oh my God. I was going to let it go because we have a guest on. So that was perfectly <laughs> fine. Um, honestly, I mean, my, my weekend was spent like the two things that, um, kind of off the top of my head took up the most like mental bandwidth was number one, editing the footage from uh the hidden marietta marietta uh paranormal expo that we yeah the one to. in missouri yes no <laughs> ohio oh, right there you go yeah <laughs> uh i finally got around editing that footage saturday night it was an interesting time i hadn't cut anything for like a while and i actually used my desktop pc so i used like the the program i have on there which is like a uh, adobe premiere pro knockoff but, um, you know, once I got it going and I think it turned out like, okay, you know, it was, it was like, I probably spent two hours uploading all my drivers and, uh, getting like everything sorted and then another two hours actually cutting it. And then by that point I was done and I was like, yeah, fuck it. But, um, yeah, so that was this weekend. And then, uh, I feel like I talked to Adam on Twitter for a while. Yeah. <laughs> 
like that you guys fe- did make fast friends. That, that was know. like that was like the other thing this weekend that felt like it uh, was show uh, associatable. You know, <laughs> my kid played a basketball game. I don't know. Like it was, just, it was kind of uh, it was kind of a bummer weekend. I'm feeling good, but it's just it's fucking cold out, so it's like you don't yeah. do anything. And this yeah. this winter just needs a fucking end. Spring needs to get here so I can go out and do shit. Yeah, you know, I agree. Nancy. Okay, you know, I I I can relate. We had a huge snowstorm, so that was wonderful. Um, you know, so everybody was stuck inside, but that's okay. Um, but I, I feel it very very uneventful. Adam, did you do anything eventful this weekend? Not a single thing. Wonderful. <laughs> Midwesterners, guys, we're super exciting lives I, here. I, I just want it to be like ten degrees warmer, and like I want to go see Jackass, and like I want to go out yeah. and like like trust me, I have the motivation there. It's just then you go outside, and it's like freezing. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck it. You're like, I'm yeah. gonna go back. That's how it is. Like, you dig your car out of the snow and whatever. You know, it's just it's not a good time. I agree. I don't recommend it. I um, can say it. It is the perfect weather though uh, to watch those like really bad ufo and alien documentaries on amazon prime oh yeah uh, recommend some recommend some um i watched one called i believe it was just called ufo but it was about from the first reported um sighting which gave it the the term flying saucer up until about 2015 it was just the timeline of major events uh-huh. um really well done but then i watched uh chariots of the gods um <laughs> i think there was one called like ufo declassified and it was about how the moon wasn't like real oh, and things God. like that oh, it just kept, shit it kept getting uh weirder and weirder and i was just like you know what this is this is what i'm doing all day so what's the <laughs> what do you mean the moon's not real um about how about how nasa you know like edited out the alien bases on it and um, oh okay um it's- how it's not actually just you know a floating chunk of a, a former planet but it's like an alien base to monitor us and stuff like that. Well, was, that's what Moonfall's about. I want to go see that this weekend too. But I, hey, spoiler alert! <laughs> if, you know, but that—that's what—that's what that movie's about. It's—it's it's a hollow moon, and it's actually a a spaceship uh, driven by an AI, and the AI wakes up because of something that we do on accident, and it's—it's it's trying to uh, fall into the Earth or some shit. I don't know, but. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, I guess that's something that's been going around a little bit, you know, it's going around. It's like a fucking disease. No, but this idea that the moon is I mean, the hollow moon theory, like that's not just that there's not just like two, three people saying that shit like it's, you know. Oh, yeah, that's been I mean, well, I guess I guess you're right. It's been more popular lately. It's it's been around, Um, you know, there's, there's been I'm pretty sure for as long as there's been a moon, we've kind of been like, what is that thing? Well, here here's the thing. And I almost wanted to do a whole episode on this. And I don't, I don't think we got to it. I don't know if I actually got to it in the because uh, didn't we do a moon landing episode? We did the moon landing. I know. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're going to talk about. You did. Sorry, talk I'm back, about I'm back on drugs again. So I'm fucking my mind's <laughs> all over the place. I'm taking edibles to go to sleep at night. So my mind's out the fucking window. <laughs> But, um, did, you know, there's actually, there's like, there's cave paintings and shit. And there's artwork that we found that, that depicts a night sky pre-moon. They call it pre-lunar uh, civilization, right? Now, it could just be when they were doing the cave painting, they didn't put the fucking moon in. Right. right? But some people see that as evidence that there was a time in human existence where, um, where there, there was no moon. moon. Right. right. And they bring up the fact that some about women's periods have something to do with it. Like animal periods don't sync up to the moon, but 
fucking women like humans do or something there's there's a whole list of like corroborating evidence supposedly and it has and, and they talk about the way that like life developed the overwhelming majority of life developed on this planet without the pull of like the lunar cycles and shit and that humans are different because we came i don't know whatever man it's probably all bullshit anyway but um interesting stuff to read and that's something i just kind of came across recently so that's maybe been kind we'll of like a minor fascination of mine lately so i might have maybe to check we'll talk about the, the moon like that and uh but no very interesting because like you know the title if i saw something titled just ufo i'd be like uh, and then i i see something titled chariot of the gods i'd be like oh that sounds awesome well that was a book oh. by somebody too i think it was a really famous yes. book it was yeah. i don't remember by who but no i mean i typically you know but adam's saying that that the ufo one was was the better of of the two well i guess maybe if you enjoy bad then then watch all the amazon prime documentaries pretty much right <laughs> pretty much any of them you know it's weird because they lure you in with like a very good star rating but then when you click on it they show the imdb rating oh, it's like God. five stars on amazon three stars on imdb and you're like <laughs> i'm in for a treat <laughs> You're like, this can either be really great or really All that terrible. stuff is bullshit. I have some of my movies that are up on IMDb have like nine out of 10 star ratings because they only have 12 ratings and it's by like all 12 cast members. And I love when a movie comes out and it's like, I, I had one that I came up when 50 Shades of Grey came out. So I'm like, look, Space Werewolf is ranked higher on IMDb than 50 Shades of Grey. And like, <laughs> I did like a split screen on, you know, with the two photos on Instagram. And it's like, yeah. Uh, 50 shades has like you know four out of ten stars and and uh space werewolf has nine and a half but i mean can we yeah. like one of these events that we go to can we screen space werewolf of course you could i recommend everyone watch starts their day by watching it you could why it's, wait it's till got an a event nine on, on imtp or whatever <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> well higher rated than uh fast and the furious three tokyo drift i don't know that's uh <laughs> that's awesome okay well um i will go ahead and um i'm going to share some news you guys want to hear some news yeah very, yes. very, very cool stuff um last week we had talked about this uh wimbledon wimbledon park lake monster picture and uh you know at the time there wasn't a bunch of information um you know available and so i had put the picture out as an advertisement for the show saying hey i'm looking for the person that took this picture now i was under the impression that a woman had taken the picture um came uh, came out um it wasn't a woman it was some guy named eric i'm not gonna share his last name um but i i did find eric and i did speak with him about this uh lake monster that he caught a picture of and uh he said no it was just a tree branch and i just smoked a joint i thought it would be funny i thought that nobody would really take it seriously but people did <laughs> so i removed it off of social media <laughs> so um i can confirm that the wimbledon park lake monster picture is just a, a a tree branch floating around and some stoner took a picture of it so i thought that was a cool update to share pat you got any thoughts on the no i mean kind of a bummer right it would be yeah. cooler if it was real but i mean it, it you know and that's kind of what we were saying last episode was that if uh you know we needed to know because i mean it, it could i mean it looked very much like just a tree branch like most lake monster pictures do um you know we needed 
the anecdotal evidence to go with it what was the story behind it was it moving in the water things like that um which was why i wanted to to kind of find the person um but no he he was i mean he really could have gotten away with just saying yes that was something weird and that was it but good on him for not you know it, well it, technically it still can be because if you want to apply some of the more out there theories of lake monsters there are those people who believe that they're they can camouflage like chameleons and oh appear God. as logs you're right so it still could be something yeah he could have been high and not really understanding what he was capturing you know i don't what, what do you think do you think there should be any kind of repercussion as a hoaxer because like here's the thing yeah this guy kind of came out and he made a joke out of it and blah 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 blah. but like did anyone stop and be like you're a fucking dick you know what i mean number one and then number two like who do you think is more likely to create a piece of hoaxed media? Somebody that has no ties to the paranormal community, like some like rando outsider that's just like, you know what? He just hears somebody say Sasquatch and, or, or hears someone talk about a Wendigo at a party and thinks, I'm going to go fake that next weekend, right? Or is it someone that's like super into the lore and like understands these things and then decides to go f- like hoax media, right? And then, like, I don't know, like, the whole thing, I think the fact that, like, this guy was a hoaxer, like, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about that kind of mentality sure. of people that do that. Right? Sure. Because that's what a lot of this, either this this shit is real or this shit is hoaxed. And, yeah, there's, I guess there's the third option, which is, like, people unknowingly take, like, photographs or videos of things that they think are real, and then it ends up just being mistaken. Well. Identity. Right. I mean, I think obviously I think when it comes to physical media, I, I agree um, that it's either real or hoaxed. And I think that probably misidentified things. Uh, well, it just depends on what it is. Um, I suppose I'm not going to break apart every single piece of evidence with this guy. After talking to him, I genuinely think that he was just some dude, bro. And I think that he probably was high and he saw a tree branch and thought, huh, that looks like a lake monster and took a picture of it posted it online joking like oh look a lake monster i don't think he really meant to fool anybody that's what he says he didn't mean to fool anybody um he said but the news took it his post started blowing up he just posted it on his facebook and it got really big and then the news had started to report on it so he actually contacted one of the news stations that reported on it and he gave the story he said no it wasn't real it was a tree branch i just thought it was funny so yeah you wanna, so he I'm you want to know something funny yeah talking about hoaxes i'm actually tied to a a bigfoot hoax uh in wisconsin inadvertently tied to it (laughs) oh so so you hoaxed something no i i didn't hoax it i actually made like a uh a a fake uh flyer and i posted on my own personal website clearly stating you know if 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 a flyer was made it would probably look like this for if a, if a Sasquatch was seen in the woods, someone took that image and posted it as fact. And it, it spreads around every now and again, stating that the Wisconsin DNR has put out an alert for a Bigfoot in the Kettle Moraine and to follow these steps. And it blows up like at least <laughs> twice a year. Uh, <laughs> last year, the, the, the Wisconsin state DNR actually had to address the issue. And I had to contact the state to tell them like, I'm the one who did this. I've never meant for this to be a problem. Someone stole this from my website and cut off all markings that says that I did this. And they've been, it's, it's had a life of its own for the past, like two, two, three years. 
that's really fun. Well, so you relate to this Eric guy that took this this tree branch picture then. Yeah, because once you know, once you put it out there, it's like you can't stop it. All you can say yeah. is I didn't I didn't mean for it to happen, but if you if you go searching for it, it'll link back to me. So it's like I'm I'm not the hoaxer. I I was inadvertently brought into it that other people created the hoax based off something I did. Yeah, both of those are pretty pretty innocent though. I think there's there's probably another group of people that like are a little bit more straight up hoax things. Yeah, like you know what I mean? Like that are more like like the uh, Georgia Bigfoot body. Does anybody know? What I'm ta- oh, okay, Adam. Adam oh, yeah. knows what I'm talking about. You know that those guys. Uh, you know they very much. I mean, they were gonna get caught. I mean, especially trying to sell it. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> I checked Crypto Mundo every day every, when that news yeah. was breaking to figure out what was going on. Yeah, and I remember like the the pandemonium online about oh, yeah. what was going to happen, and then it was like, oh, you got to buy tickets to the reveal. And immediately, it's like, okay, this is when it comes crashing down. This is all fake. Yeah, I was like, because I mean, because they they had shared that initial picture, and you're like, well, maybe maybe it is real. I was <laughs> like, there's no way. Every day, no, I was in the same boat every morning. I woke up. That's what I did. <laughs> I checked Crypto Mundo. What? It's because they put like. Yeah, it was the fake costume, but they put like real animal entrails in it, like real eyes, real tongue and stuff sticking out. Yeah, so, they and like it was blurred. Had like yep. dentures. Yeah. Yeah. It was blurred just enough too, where you could not like fully make it out, but it was that uncanny valley feeling where you're like, something is not right, but I can't pinpoint what it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Super exciting stuff back in the day. I mean, and what was, was their what was their ultimate goal? Uh that's a good question. I, I think to just make money. I think it was and, just to make money. And how how would they have made money by? Because they set up a website for it where they were going to reveal it and show the whole thing online, kind of uh, like a pay per view type thing where you okay. had to buy access to it. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I know you you literally just said that, but like, <laughs> sorry. Maybe, but, we'll uh, t- maybe we'll do a show about it one day because it was. I mean, you know, it was a big. I mean, it was a big thing at the time. It was all just things in general at that time in cryptozoology were strange because right at the same time that that was happening you had like the erickson project happening which was you know another big that was another daily you know i gotta check this thing and you know things just got very odd for a minute <laughs> so, um but it was it was a lot of a lot of news but then what's his name uh tom biscardi then went on and then what and then rick dyer went on they're like well yeah that wasn't real but we know where real ones are and we'll t- we'll tour you and we'll take you out to where these things are and it's like and that you know obviously they they were lying still but (laughs) they tried um but yeah i I think that you know with those people yeah they were trying to make money they did they sold i mean how they were found out was because they sold the body and the person that bought it and i think they they pay they i don't know i think they bought it for like 50 grand or something like that oh my god that's a (laughs) yeah they they discovered after it was uh, you know thawing that night later that night that because it was frozen and it was you know they had poured water and stuff in there to keep it frozen i guess and like a big freezer in they were trying to emulate the uh the uh minnesota ice man but they did not have like the the cooler and the um the what was needed to like keep it fully cold so like they were literally just pouring bags of ice onto this thing yeah (laughs) and it's like you know when when the ice man was being viewed uh, Huvelmans and Sanderson, you know, were looking at it uh, with like pieces of glass on the top of it, so they couldn't get close to it. Like this yeah. thing was just in a cooler. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was. And, and, and it was very, very much Georgian, um, you know, backwoods folk. Um, I, I shouldn't say that. One of the guys was a police officer. I remember that. Um, maybe both of them were even, I, I know one was for sure. Um, but yeah, no, it was very primitive. And so I guess what they hadn't bet on was that they were going to unthaw it. I don't know why, but. Well, at that point you got the money, who cares? Right. Exactly. So I mean, it's, I don't it's know. a one-time scam. You're not, it's nothing that you can repeat over and over again. Right. But you're going to get that, you you, you know, but you're going to get that first 50 grand or you're going to get whatever the the website uh, ticket sales are. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a good scam. But but I think my original thing was, was that with something kind of as as I want to say backwater because it makes it sound like like hickish. But um, I guess as an underground field, uh, as like this as cryptozoology is that like for you to know enough to convincingly create a fake you almost have to be so ingrained in society that you're peers with the people that you're ripping off and that's what that's what seems the most like i guess like and i don't want to say evil but just like in bad taste of it all like i understand the dude this dude with this with the branch and the and the and the and the right river was a dude bro he wasn't but like you know, and maybe these guys that were that that created this thing and and sold it, they were just cops that heard about the story and, and put some shit together. But I, you know, some of these people that also folks that hoax these videos, be they UFO stuff or cryptozoology stuff, you know, it it just it feels more like nefarious to me when it's like, dude, like you're you're mudding the waters by creating false content to confuse and trick your peers you know what i mean I agree like, with that. there's a um there's a really good book um and it is called <clears throat> um what's it called i think it's called the trickster and the paranormal and um it, it's a really good book and it kind of showcases some of these people who not only like lie and tell because facebook facebook is a cesspool of people that <laughs> that lie <laughs> about about their experiences and uh you know you know when you're on these groups you got tons of people that come out with these huge claims um but no evidence ever and uh you know but it's it kind of explains it in a way that like you know basically these people are just like larping it's like they're they're larping and you mean you're schizophrenic or i mean no 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 they know that they're lying um but and then you know they'll they'll hype each other up with their picture of their bushes and their camouflage dogmen and things and uh you know <laughs> they'll they'll hype each other up as if they're not lying see adam knows exactly what i'm talking about i know well, you do i'm laughing at they hype each other up with pictures of their bushes <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's how i pump my my buddy's tires yeah. right like you know what i mean if someone's having a bad day if, if your bro texts you at lunch he's like i don't know if i can make it through lunchtime bro and you're like hey Bit of a picture of your bush. Check this out, man. Look what you got. <laughs> right? Just a couple, well, of, it's, it's just a couple dudes showing fucking right. Bush. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what Macho that's Man would have done. That's what, that's, everybody, everybody needs to aspire oh, yeah. to be like Macho Man. Oh yeah, dig it. Dig it. <laughs> that's a clear goals <laughs> anyway um i haven't even gotten to the most interesting news story yet this was just a little update so let me uh i'm, I'm just gonna put this one down for now but uh we'll talk about some of those things at some point um this one's really cool this one's got me interested but i haven't i didn't make it through all um 120 pages yet but 
Um, so there was newly released um, government documents from out of Brazil that said that between 2013 and 2016, there was an indigenous tribe that was being frequented by, well, they're saying UAPs, but, you know, UFOs here. Um, and, and not just that, um, they weren't just being visited by these UFOs. They were also being attacked by, by these UFOs. Um, and it, it's very interesting. So I, I'm going to butcher some of these names, um, but a, you know, a, a ufologist um, in, in, out of Brazil who runs a website called uh, UAPbrazil.com, um, he had actually went ahead and filed his uh, freedom of information paperwork and had gotten these documents and it's over 120 documents of testimonials um, and video footage and, you know, of these UFOs. Now, um, they started seeing them, this tribe started seeing them starting in 2013, um, but in 2014, there were reports that the UFO had actually kind of gotten closer to the ground than it had before and started shooting lasers at the tribe's people. And, um, you know, so that sounds weird, right? I mean, that's that's wild. That wasn't the only time that, that it had happened. Um, they had shot lasers again in 2016 at them, uh, putting in that this man in the hospital, he lived. Um, but that was interesting. What's really interesting about this, though, is that it wasn't just the indigenous people that were seeing these things. Um, there was a woman there by the name of, I think it's Paula uh, Calares, probably butchering names because I'm white. But she's uh, an anthropologist who was actually doing her, her, her doctoral studies there on the tribe. And she had seen these things. Um, so the tribe then goes on to ask for help from the National Indigenous Foundation, who in turn had contacted the government, but they hadn't really taken it seriously until a second anthropologist by the name of, I think it's, uh, Carolina Commanduli, I think that's how you say it, um, when she came forward and said, I also saw these things. Um, and then they had started really digging more into it. Now, I don't know if these things have now stopped visiting the village or what has happened, but now there's been more of a heavy government presence in the area. Um, but they have started looking more into it. So the video footage and stuff was taken by um, Paula, the original anthropologist, um, and she had put it out there. And they are, I mean, you know, initially they're just really weird lights in the sky. Um, you know, but then they move very erratically and then there's different videos of them kind of closer and farther away and things like that. Um, very interesting stuff. Again, there's over 120 pages, um, video footage of not just, um, the, the UFOs, but the testimonials from some of the tribes people, um, that you can see on the website, which I will link below. So thoughts on that? Anybody, anybody got thoughts on that? Aliens freak me out like <laughs> same i'm so scared of them <laughs> when like and i've i've gotten into uh tobias um and i have gotten into <laughs> quite a few discussions about about aliens and when it basically what it comes down to it's like i don't care why aliens are here i don't care what they're doing um any of that the one thing about that i just want to know what they look like inside their ships but i also don't want to be anywhere near them because Inside it's the just <laughs> just like if you were outside and you just like saw one and the, you know kind of like like uh the benny the betty and barney hill incident oh, where yeah. like they could see them on the inside like i would just just kill me right then and there because yeah, I, yeah. i'm done 
I don't want to do anything else after that. I am also very terrified of it. People are really surprised to find it because most of the stuff that I do is kind of more alien heavy, really. And, uh, you know, but I'm scared to death of them. I really am just because I, there's nothing I can do. They can do whatever they want with me and I, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> so, I mean, and they really freak me out. And uh, but but, you know, I still find them very interesting. It's It's that weird drawn to the to what scares you type thing it's like you yeah. you can't you don't want to look at it but there's that part that's like just look as long as you can type of thing <laughs> yeah. but it's like it, it makes you feel uncomfortable and like kind of disgusting like you're in a situation where like if anything decides to go wrong there's nothing you can do about it oh yeah definitely yeah, i i agree i think part of the reason that we're so inclined to um tr like transpose benevolence on top it, it, like on them is because the situation almost requires that otherwise it becomes very terrifying very fast we are so overmatched outpowered outgunned out tech you know they got better yeah. technology they got supposedly these fucking psychic abilities i mean who knows what they're shapeshifters they can move they can move through matter all this stuff they have a they have a, a you know a litany of superpowers and they have fucking spaceships and there's nothing that's st that stops them there's absolutely nothing that can they stop could them. blow our shit to bits and that'd be it or they See, could they could fucking come through our walls every night into our bedrooms and and fucking do whatever they want with us so we we need to believe that at the very least they are uh benevolent if not good natured, if not maybe even out to help us, right? We need because I mean, think about because otherwise it's it's the relationship that a scientist, a, a, a human scientist, has with a rat or with a chimpanzee or something. You know that 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 animal is going to get treated as well as that scientist's experiments and his temperaments will allow, right? So. um we're really screwed <laughs> if these things are real <laughs> yeah. and if it's if it's stuff like this and um i'm surprised we don't see more stories like this and i think what's what's interesting is that i you know this sounds credible it's got great third-party witnesses um it's got a it, you know it was a long period of time it, it looks like it was documented by you know legitimate agencies and stuff what i want it but it, it's just such a head scratcher because it's like they went to brazil to fuck with these people like what like, yeah, I'm curious they, about that. I know that um, a nearby tribe had also reported seeing these the UAPs and they were they thought they were drones. So one of the tribes people actually had a gun and started pointing it at it. That's the guy that got shot by the fucking laser beam and sent to the hospital. Well, I mean, that's a you bring up a very good question. Maybe it was a terrestrial zone drone. You know what I mean? Like this is this is one of those stories and maybe I'm wrong. I, I was trying to read along with it while you were talking about it. I found it on Mysterious Universe. But um, was there any any sightings of creatures, or was it just craft? Because um, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these, like sightings that are purely craft, you got to wonder how much of it is terrestrial aircraft. You know what I mean, or like secret space program stuff, or just drones. You know what I mean. Uh, if if you don't see an alien, it, then it's not an alien you know maybe i think the i think what makes it an alien is the fact that it's it's performing maneuvers that we can't 
um, that aren't the well, things. You that can, but what the fuck can you do? I could see you do a cartwheel. Let's start with that. And then we'll talk about maneuvers. You well, can't perform. No, that's not, that's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You, I think you put too much faith in, in the government's technologies, but that's just me. That's just me. I don't, um, you know, I, I don't think that we, I mean, yes, there's, there's things that we can do that aren't disclosed, but there's not a lot, I don't believe. And, um, you know, I think that, that most of the, most of the science is, is out there and it's available. It's just not readily available. It's just not very easy to find, um, you know, and whatever it is that, that the, we're seeing in these crafts, it's not something that, that we can do. Otherwise we'd be doing it. It'd be very lucrative for us to be able to have these crafts that, you know, can get you basically from point A to point B and, and nothing, you know, and that's pretty much what they what they do. So why wouldn't we have them available to the masses? It, it would make a hell of a it would make good money. And we know that military and government and they, they love money and that's really all they're good at is signing a paycheck. So I don't know. But we don't um, know that these things are, pi- are piloted with someone inside them. I mean, just because you can get a drone to do like anti-gravity shit or like you know uh go super fast and stop on a dime and all that stuff doesn't mean you can do the same thing with human cargo you know i suppose that's a good point so these could be unmanned drones and like that's that's all this is and they're running drills with this indigenous tribe because who else are you gonna fuck with you know what i mean like it's actually real it's really good like you know if you were if you were trying to do like like guerrilla warfare or something or like you know uh, i don't know pacification i don't fucking know (laughs) have you ever heard of the um the fermi paradox uh yeah that there's so isn't no that's i'm thinking the drake question all right what's the fermi paradox well the fermi paradox the 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 definition of it, it it's the conflict between the lack of clear obvious evidence for extraterrestrial life and various high estimates of their existence and it breaks it down in all these multiple different ways for the reasons why we haven't discovered anything or you know if we have it's because of these reasons but it like it breaks it down extremely well but it's also very like terrifying uh when they start listing the reasons um for uh, and against, you know, encountering alien life. And it just like makes the whole, the whole phenomenon that much like deeper. Um, if, if you've never, if you have like a weekend or something or a few hours to kill, definitely check it out. And it like, <laughs> we got a podcast. I mean, you want to, right. you want to start explaining it? I mean, it's <laughs> no, okay. No, no, no. We're not going to make you get into all that, but, but no, um, yeah, no, I, I, no, I, I have heard of this, um, but it is, it, it is worthy to look into. That's something I haven't, Gosh, I haven't looked at that in a long time. There's so much, you guys, with all this stuff. But um, no, I think that would be a good thing to talk about on the show. You know, so just some of the just some of the quick basic points of it. It's like alien life is already here, but it's just not acknowledged. Um, their unwillingness to communicate, uh, the discovery of extraterrestrial life is too difficult. Um, it breaks down like socio sociological explanations, economic explanations, evolutionary explanations, all that. Um, Plus just the chance, like because of the size of the universe, like why would they be coming here? Right. And it, 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 it's definitely interesting. If you're interested in aliens, it's, it's, it's one thing to definitely check out. Something to look into for sure. Yeah. I think it's, um, I mean, and you know, that is the, I think that's the question now is more so not, and we talked about this before. It's not really so much do aliens exist, but now it's more, do they come here? And, you know, I think that that's 
now shifted like that is now the million dollar question uh, there's still a lot of people that don't believe aliens exist at all somehow um but hey you know that's i guess if you want to be wrong you can um but <laughs> you know that's i think that that is a really good yeah maybe we should do a show about it we've talked about doing like alien species and stuff like that before on the show we should probably do that i'm gonna add it to the list anyway um back to to this whole situation i, I guess you're right i mean if it were if it were a type of military aircraft if they're gonna fuck with anybody i guess make it a tribe in the middle of you know brazil or something Mm -hmm. brazil has a lot of weird stories though that come out of it in general i don't know i mean maybe there's something to that maybe there's not any like weird video that you see on the internet that you can't like disprove at all it's always like oh this was it was filmed in brazil and it's like well it's it's a big ass piece of south america and uh it's not it's not necessarily a shithole it's pretty well developed so you got people with camera phones well right it's it right and so <laughs> i mean it made sense you know years ago that you know it was an easy target for that kind of stuff um i'm not going to get too much into it but i mean there's you know racial reasons why we've kind of dubbed places like that extra weird but um i don't know it's just something to think about but i'm I'm gonna read it i'm gonna read the all 120 pages and watch all the stupid videos and i'll tell you guys what i think but um very it is very interesting but i'll link the website below it's all translated in english that's really nice that they did that so very exciting i mean the anthropologists though are seeing it too so i, I don't know that's cool anyway all right so <laughs> that was all i had for the news this week um Let's talk about our guest, right? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about you. I know, right? Over there feeling terrible. Like, oh, I thought I was coming on here to talk about me. Um, No. uh, (laughs) So, Adam. Just so everyone knows, that's a joke. That's a joke, by the way. I I hate talking about myself. (laughs) People might not know that you're joking, but, you know, Um, you know how the internet is. so what do you what do you do how do you how do you describe yourself and and what you do and and how you're into this um i would describe myself as a chronicler of the lesser known midwest weird stories um i i operate uh the pine barons institute and what it is it's it's the focus on bringing out some of the lesser known bizarre historical accounts uh primarily from wisconsin but also the surrounding midwest um the stuff that you kind of have to dig for um and along with that giving you know a a deep dive into the history of the area in which it took place in sure okay yeah and so why why pine the pine barrens i mean obviously you know people know should know what the pine barrens are but if not do you want to explain that yeah. So, so what it is when, it, when this originally started, like the main focus of it was on cryptozoology. Cause that, that's like my first big passion, um, you know, as a kid growing up and stuff. Um, so we started with, with cryptozoology, but folklore is such a huge part of cryptozoology and something that I really enjoy. So it's kind of a, the name is taken from one of the most recognizable, um, creatures within cryptozoology, but also one of the most recognized piece of pieces of American folklore, that being the the Jersey Devil of the Pine Barrens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of that that intersection between myth and legend. Um, so that was that was chosen as the name, um, and from there it's you know it's just it's just kind of branched out to to incorporate other things 
um, as well, not just cryptozoology. You know, it, it, we, we deep dive into, into historical ghost tales, um, strange oddity stories, um, UFOs, just, it's pretty much grown to include anything really, as long as it takes place in the Midwest. Okay. Okay. And that's kind of the, the standard. Yeah. Gosh, Pat, you're right. This, this was not on purpose that we had specifically Wisconsin guests on the show, but, <laughs> but Midwesterners, <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's fine. So how did you get into this stuff to begin with? Uh, the big, the biggest two influences uh, growing up were um, Leonard Nimoy's In Search of and yeah. Unsolved Mysteries. Wow. Um, watching these, and it, especially In Search of, because that was at a time when, you know, this stuff was actually taken pretty seriously. Sure. So they would showcase these episodes with, you know, not in a light to, to make fun of it or, um, you know, kind of put like a, a joking spotlight on it like a lot of modern reality shows do like they'd actually bring in you know like the scientists and and the doctors and stuff like that and they actually you know invest talk about it in a way that you would learn something from it and and watching these people you know talk about this stuff it was just enthralling as a little kid and then you got unsolved mysteries where it's talking about like the darker side of this like the you know i, I clearly remember the episodes involving you know, Loch Ness Monster and uh, Champ and, you know, various UFO stories and hauntings and stuff that, and it's just like, it, it made such a big impact that it's like, I want to do this. <laughs> were, you, sure. were you of the age to have watched sightings? Yes. Because that's one that I hear, um, I hear other podcast people, it's when, when people get asked that question, you know, they usually they talk about, you know, Unsolved, Unsolved Mysteries never really did it for me because the, the UFO stuff was very few and very far between. And um, I mean, it was it was the, the content was there, but it was I felt like it was mostly like, you know, what Dateline does now about like murder mysteries or disappeared spouses or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, sightings was like pure mainlined paranormal stuff and it was all like a little creepy and a little sinister you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it, it was a little dangerous and um it's interesting to think that's that sightings actually and because you i mean you're we're close enough to where we probably had the same you know uh tv but like sightings predated x files by about three years and, yeah, because um, it came out, what, 91, 1990, 91, somewhere in there? X-Files was like my, 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 when I was in eighth grade, so it would have been like 94. Oh, no, and, I, I'm, I'm talking about sightings. sightings right, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I know like the last, the last two years of sightings like overlapped with X-Files or something like that. But it's, it's crazy to think, because I always think that sightings would be after X-Files, but no, it was actually the other way around. Sightings kind of laid the groundwork and got that and created that interest and then, boom we were able to have uh we were able to get x-files out of it there was just something about seeing like hosts wearing like they're dressed up in like suits and stuff and they're talking about like aliens and, and ghosts and stuff like you don't see that anymore yeah it's always people like decked out in like tactical gear for some reason like yeah 
you're going to arrest a ghost or something oh, like that. Oh, <laughs> my God. Dude. You're right. <laughs> Do not no, like... get me started about fucking Monster Hunters, okay? Oh, no. That's <laughs> like, it, it had these these shows back that had this air of credibility to them that was right. it, it was really respectable. And now, like, you know, they, try and, they tried to reboot In Search Of, and it doesn't capture that that same essence that the original show had because it's, yeah. it's got this light of you know the the modern reality paranormal show is like tainted everything that has come you know yeah. after it and it's like it, it i don't know i just i you can't get into them it, there's some about those classics that because they were also still talking to people who made such a lasting impression in this field like i remember the bigfoot episode they're talking to to grover krantz about it and john green and um you know, you got uh, Tom, um, I believe Tom Slick. Um, oh, yeah, Tom. Is a, he, I believe that's who it was, um, was, you know, given interviews and in search of and stuff. And it's like to see those people like in their prime when they were still like boots on the ground doing this, there's something extremely nostalgic about it. Yeah, I, I agree. Now you get mountain monsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't uh avoid that one um you know but i i agree um you know that is very interesting were you ever was it that you were curious about these things were you fearful of them as as a young kid or i think being a you know being younger while watching it it was that fear that you know attracted me to it like sure because they always they were always on at night um yeah and that just that just added to it because you know, you already got the, the fear, you know, is building. And then when it's like, when you find out what they're going to be talking about, and then also like those for in search of, um, you know, those dramatic reenactments and stuff where they actually would put a person in a costume, but a really pretty good costume, but like the quality of the video wasn't that good. So it made it feel more real. Yeah. So like scared, but like I said earlier about the UFO and stuff, like you don't want to look, but you, you have to keep looking. And then from there it was like, um, you know, check out books from the library or, or book fairs, buy books and stuff like that. But, um, a lot of it, once, once you get a a few books, you're going to be reading the same stories over and over and over again. Sure. So then it kind of like led me to start looking for stuff on my own. Okay. And that's, it's like, Ooh, I like doing this. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of like, what kind of crossover do you think there is between, you know, the paranormal and cryptozoology crowd and the horror movie crowd? Like pretty much universal, right? Like I'd assume so. Like I pretty much because uh, that because we were all weird kids that liked to be scared, and that's what that something about that we kept embracing that. Yeah, embracing well, look that how many fear. You look how many I mean? people put like uh you know notable horror icons and stuff how many of them will list like the legend of boggy creek yeah like in their top favorite you know indie horror movies and stuff like that it's like that was a major major movie in that uh, kind of opened this up to a more uh movie going audience um especially when you know they're talking to the people who are actually part of it and they're like holy crap this is real <laughs> Yeah, most of us are like at minimum monster movie fans. A lot of us I noticed are really into kaiju and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think there's a huge overlay. I I, well, I can tell you from experience. I mean, as somebody that that likes both and is into both, it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of overlay there. Um, so I'd agree with that. I mean, you know, why you end up why we end up growing up into the weirdos that then want to 
you know, search it out, I, I couldn't tell you, but <laughs> you know, at least we do. Um, I agree. When I um initially started getting into my um my Wendigo research, uh, one of the first pieces that i'd read about it when i really got into it one of the first pieces i had read about it was actually um from 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 you adam about your misidentification of the wendigo um do okay. you still hold that opinion um which article exactly because there's a few where people have sent me and then there was like a deep dive into it um it was a really good oh man i wish i had pulled it out and uh thought thought to add this in here i guess i didn't really even plan on asking um i don't really remember but it was just basically about how like people had seen something um you know but it wasn't necessarily this like evil you know spirit that they were seeing you know in the woods that it was probably misidentified even like you had mentioned sasquatch possibly being you know a reason why they were seeing this thing um and then you had act actually talked about the stag headed portion of it and how that was probably just misidentified deer or whatever um yeah the the stag headed representation of the wendigo is one that is it's it's kind of irritating a bit because yeah. it's that pop culture um that pop culture design of it that it is, is kind of that flooded the mainstream now where people think it's like oh the wendigo is like a monster when it you know it's not actually a monster it's yeah you know it's a result of madness and cannibalism right but it's kind of like i don't know and then and then people like start it starts branching off from that and like people are like oh what you're actually talking about is the rake and the rake is a subspecies oh, of wendigo and it's just like this flood of creepy pasta that is kind of ingrained itself within this as well where you really have to dig to figure out like if what you're looking at is actually real or if it was right. made up um because some of this stuff it's like oh if if you just have an hour and or something and you're just looking around and you actually want to solve it you can figure out when it started like it, it's not hard but people don't want to do that because they like to just you know take stuff on the internet at face value and then they spread it and it just grows more and more and mm -hmm. more and it's and the wendigo is unfortunately one of those ones that has been victimized <laughs> by that <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's uh it's it's frustrating it's kind of like the chupacabra it's oh, just yeah. like it's like <laughs> it, it's lost now yeah, yeah there's nothing you can do to get it back yeah I th no i think you're right about that um you know and, and it's unfortunate because then you know and i've, I've talked about it I just in other places about how you know like when the rake came out it's unfortunate because the story got big and the guy who created the rake story um made a website specifically for trolling and it was to catalog the rake sightings that that people were seeing so somebody that probably could have seen a strange humanoid terrifying thing probably gets on the internet and looks that up strange terrifying humanoid thing finds the rake and goes oh my god that's what i saw and now they have a legitimate sighting and then they go on to say i saw the rake i saw the rake and it's like oh, well you know how do you as a as a, an investigator how do you pick that apart from you know what what's real and what isn't and you know i guess at this point we're just kind of stuck um dealing with it but i agree the wendigo is is one of those things um you know it's a very extremely misunderstood and uh but i, I think that you were probably the first article that i'd came across that was that was ballsy enough to say that the wendigo isn't a physical thing and so good for you <laughs> thank you it, it, it's actually interesting because like you can also look at the, the wendigo where it's at now um and as a result it's almost like it's 
that and other things like it have almost created like a, a subcategory of cryptozoology where it's no longer cryptozoology, which is the, you know, the search for undiscovered flesh and animals. Blood animals. Yeah. It's now like paracryptozoology where yes. things that are not in any way, shape or form undiscovered animals, like it, it, the two camps like need to be separated because you got the, the flesh and blood people who believe that nothing possesses any magic. Like it's, it's literally right. just an animal we have not found yet. And then you got the ones that, you know, these animals do possess magic or they're paranormal or anything like that. Um, and I, I don't think you can do both. Um, like you kind of have to pick a side almost it's come to that, to that point. Yeah. Um, but I think there should be a clear distinction between the two. Like if someone says I'm a cryptozoologist, it's like, well, what kind are you? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to ask at that point. I agree. Um, and, and that's what, well, so we just did, I guess I forgot to plug my own. Let me shill myself on my own show here. Um, I just came out with a new show, Monster Radio with, with Brian Tremblay, and it is specifically cryptozoology based. The first episode though is about the Wendigo. And the point of it is because technically the Wendigo is not a cryptid guys. It's just not. Mm -hmm. um you know it just doesn't fall into the guidelines and uh you know we kind of get into talks about how calling it a cryptid is very disrespectful to cryptozoology because the reason why Hoovelmans and sanderson created cryptozoology was so that it could be taken seriously and it could be deemed as credible and it was to create guidelines clear guidelines as to what we were looking at um, exactly so we're kind of you know shitting on that idea by then just going, well, this doesn't fit anywhere else, so I'm just going to throw it into cryptids. And that right. work. And if, if you want to piss like a lot of people off, too, like that also applies the Flatwoods monster is not a cryptid. It's not a cryptid. Aliens, Mothman, Mothman not is a not a cryptid. If it yeah. was, it would be based on the original, you know, first description of a giant bird. Right. That, that would be a cryptid. Right. Um, Loveland Frogman would not be. No. Um, anything like that. Uh, the original description of the chupacabra being like a, a an alien kangaroo lizard. Yeah. Those are all would be firmly based in paracryptozoology if you were right. to categorize them. But if you're talking about, um, you know, like big uh, Bigfoot, um, it, the flesh and blood Bigfoot, if you're talking about Thunderbirds, uh, lake monsters, things like that, that would be within the cryptozoology flesh and blood camp. Right. Um, based off of you know, evidence though, how long evidence has been taken to be gathered and categorized, you know, for Loch Ness Monster and stuff like that. It's almost to the point where it can't be considered a cryptid anymore. Um, almost like it has to move to paracryptozoology because like by at this point, you think that something more definitive should have been found. So there's, there's these kind of hazy areas where it's like, when does something stop being and when does something go back into sure so it's it's at a really interesting time i i, I, I would yeah. say i agree with that and you know and, and it's not not saying that these things don't exist that's not <laughs> that's not what's being said not that people haven't seen these things or experienced these things or they're not having valid experiences just that <laughs> you know things have certain names and uh but yeah i mean it is and you know as somebody that you know, dabbles in, in the folklore um, side of, of things, then, you know, you know, um, you know, Jersey Devil is another really good case in point. Um, you know, what what happened during that? What was it? 1909 flap? Is that what it was? 1909 or 19? With, with the footprints? With, with Well, it was. Yeah. And everybody saw it. And, uh, you know, it was. 
Well, it, what, what's fun is when you like start that. digging into those uh, cases like that, where they have flaps across, you know, multiple yeah. counties and in cities like that. Um, if you start looking into the time period, a lot of them can be based off of this also applies to like the airship flaps. Um, uh, the the late 1800s, early 1900s, a lot of the time what it was, if it was a slow news day, uh, a newspaper would pick a neighboring county or town and write an article about them oh, just yeah. as a joke where the the other town would then be put in a position with, do they either go along with the joke or do they say, no, this this didn't happen. But when when they start seeing the sales numbers come in of people buying the paper at the time, they realize that, you know, this is a profitable way uh, to make money. So they go with the joke and they might pick another county or town and say that it went over there. And then that county has the same thing. And then before you know it, you have this flap of sightings that may have happened or they may have been completely fabricated. But somewhere along the line, um, you know, a war of the worlds type effect starts happening where people are like, no, I, I saw it like my, my neighbor saw it. And then it takes on a life of its own. And then, you know, it becomes folklore at that point. And uh, it gets ingrained into the public consciousness. The the origins of it, you know, get uh, cloudy, uh, murky. People are like, no, that didn't happen. No, it did happen. And then you're just kind of left to to guess for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the Jersey Devil, you know, the origin story, which everyone knows, it, it's not true. There was never a uh, the, the Leeds woman. I can't remember her name offhand. She she didn't actually exist. Um, it's believed that Benjamin Franklin had a hand in creating the, the Jersey devil origin story, uh, when he was putting another, the Leeds family almanac out of business oh. to make his, the poor Richard's almanac. Um, as a result, he kind of called out the, the owner of the Leeds almanac and kind of gave him a negative devilish uh portrayal um and also used like their family crest which kind of showed uh, a creature which looked like a devil and from there their reputation was kind of ruined and as a result this story uh cropped up wow. so ben Frank people... franklin was a catty bitch <laughs> right <laughs> uh so so not saying what people people weren't seeing anything because they could have been seeing something sure. and it, because they knew the the legend of the Jersey Devil like oh that's what we saw was it that don't know but it all kind of folded in on that and now we're we are where we are and everyone knows you know right. about the Jersey Devil same thing with uh with like the 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 Devil's footprints oh I saw them on my roof and they went here and they stopped yeah something made those but how much of the story that you're retelling is true. Right. And did you just walk outside and see a few footprints and you kind of embellish like they went up over my house and they went through my my barn and then they went through my, you know, our kitchen and stuff like that? Or did you or did, you know, they just kind of cross the backyard in your neighbor's yard and you're like, that's weird. Yeah. Well, and this is why I don't me personally. I'm just not um, which is kind of a hot take. I'm not the history person in my research team um, because I like to talk to my witnesses. And I think that that is a very important piece of the puzzle. And you can't talk to somebody that lived in 1900. <laughs> you know? Oh, for sure. And 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 I I I highly respect people that do that. You know, the modern cases are so difficult 
to to research because of all of the stuff you have to put up with the hoaxing and oh, yeah. um you know the the creepy passes and stuff like that that's why i love focusing on the historical ones where you have a clear story you have records um you know you can go to the library and, and learn about the area uh so you can usually get a a pretty solid picture from beginning to end and at the at the end have you know a definitive result of eh, this didn't happen or something happened here but not like everyone says yeah well and i mean that's a good point um you know that's my you know my 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 historical person she's a big skeptic and so it, it makes a lot of sense because you know she is the one always kind of tracking those things and finding the beginning and end so when she raises her eyebrow and goes i don't know this one's weird you know then i gotta then i'm like oh is it <laughs> it gets me excited i think something <laughs> happened yeah oh, I'm st oh there she is <laughs> did i leave yeah just for a second oh oh that's weird i could hear you guys okay well i'm back now hi guys um hey. the it's, it was the government they don't want me to talk about these things they, they um, don't want you to talk about Anne. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't want to talk about Anne. <laughs> yep well okay i guess i'll just continue um the uh, the audience most likely heard what i Let's said it but again. it's okay did i am i if back? there's any men in black on here click oh twice God. for yes <laughs> i don't you can't hear me at all no now we can okay all right now okay should i just wait what should i do should i keep I think, talking i think you should complete your thought about Anne because it's been <laughs> our our uh our audience has been um dripping with anticipation i think our audience heard me talk about Anne. i think you oh. guys didn't all right well we'll have to adam we'll have to check the tape later we'll, we we'll check review, it later you know what the evidence if yeah, you, we'll, you know what watch if the you guys... tape if, if it's just going to be a mystery you know what that's Anne is my personal cryptid so if this is the way it goes this is the way it goes <laughs> so, i'm just gonna leave it um anyway so what was i talking about let's talk about Anne. that's right all right so adam yes. what is probably the first weird story that that you found yourself really en engrossed in i mean you're talking about how you prefer the the lesser known things um you know what's the first one that that you were you know kept you up at night uh you know digging in the details and maybe still keeps you up at night um trying to figure it out oh man i know um, that's a very general question but <laughs> i i honestly think probably one of the first ones that like really captured my interest um as as a kid i sh i can say would probably be the loch ness monster simply because you know as as a, as a kid seeing the the surgeon's photograph plastered like on the front of a book and stuff like that like just that image it gets your imagination racing so that led to like a really a really deep dive into just variety of uh of lake monsters um now i'd have to say currently i think one of the ones that sticks with me the most um is actually a ufo story that i wrote about um it's called the baker family ufo uh incident or the melon wisconsin ufo flap of yeah. 1975 um and there's just something about it 
this this UFO is reported to have landed in the front of the Baker family's home in Mellon, Wisconsin. Um, and it was just sitting there for a few minutes to the to the point where, you know, the family actually went out to see it and the father got close enough to it to hear something on the inside of it kind of banging like it had a hammer and there was actually an open door uh, and he was going to look in the door, but his wife yelled at him to to get away from it because his children were actually scared. They went inside to tell their mom and she yelled at him to get away from it. So he reluctantly went back inside. But when he was inside, uh, the thing took off. And um, oh, it looks like she left. <laughs> yeah, but I'm hanging and I, I'm, I'm here. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so they went back inside and the thing, there was a, a loud explosion and they looked out the front window and the thing was gone. So they called the, the local undersheriff and the undersheriff came out and you know, there, there wasn't really any evidence. There was like, um, some slight indentations in the ground. Um, so all they could really do is, you know, tell them that, well, there's not really an emergency, but we believe you because the, the family were, they were pretty upstanding, uh, in the communities and there was no reason for them to lie. So the, the undersheriff took the report, um, later that night, he met up with a, of some other, uh, sheriffs from, from Mellon, as well as some surrounding counties. And they were all just kind of talking that night about, uh, the, the strange calls they had and they saw stuff in the sky, which they reported as, as craft, um, bright lights, all that. And they actually went so far as to kind of chase them around the area. And there was multiple, uh, crafts that were described. Um, some of them were reported as even lighting up the area as bright as day where you could read a newspaper. Um, they never caught them, of course. Uh, they kind of, they went towards Lake Superior and they vanished. Uh, the next day though, the Baker family, uh, the daughter, her, her name was Jane. She was 15 at the time. She was letting the dog out and she was actually looking for evidence of the, of the landing. And she saw them again. Uh, the craft was hovering kind of in the swampy area across from the house and it was freaking the dog out. Uh, really bad where the dog took off and she chased after it to make sure it was fine. And then the thing was gone again. Um, it was described as being the craft was described as about being like six foot high. Uh, I had a diameter of 12 feet and it almost looked like a turtle. Um, like the, the profile of a turtle. Um, there was red and blue green lights around it. Um, it was silver in color and they, they couldn't really see any legs holding up the craft, but they did find, like I said, slight impressions. But mm. the thing that really sticks in my mind, though, is how close Mr. Baker got to it, to the point where he was, like you said, he was almost able to, to look inside. Wow. Um, he was so affected by it that he, he pleaded for his children. Well, his children also pleaded to one another to not talk about it to, to anyone at school. Um, and Mr. Baker went down to the newspaper there and told them not to run the story because he, he didn't want his family to be harassed or to people think they were crazy. And, and they didn't, they respect his wishes. They didn't run it, but word got out. Um, J. Allen Hynek actually, you know, looked into the case um, and in, in search of actually did an episode on it uh, in season one about the whole thing where they talked to the family and 
that that case is just burned into my head. Um, and it's one that I kind of base all my other research kind of going forward because okay. it, you're left with, we don't know, but you got all these reputable people, um, you know, just being straight up honest, but you're left with all this can be is it, it's weird. It's something that can't be explained. Sure. No, I think that's a, I, I think that's a really good case that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Have you found anything, you know, in, in digging through it that you feel like you maybe didn't connect before or anything that you felt like could be related to, to this incidents or these incidences in not, hindsight? Not really. No, this, this okay. was taking place during a time when, when Wisconsin was having a huge surge of UFO sightings. Um, but what, what's interesting is, you know, this one took place close to, to Lake Superior and, you know, all the, all the strange stories that come out from, you know, around the Great Lakes and stuff. It, it just, it's interesting um, what types of weird things um, have been reported through the years around the Great Lakes. Right. Yeah. And to, well, to hear these things, you know, took off towards Lake Superior uh, where they then, you know, vanished. Um, I always find to be yeah. interesting. And that's something that um, somebody, you know, one of our one of our mutuals had posted on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. Um, just about how like uh, they had mentioned like a whole bunch of weird stuff like had happened in the '60s, and there was like all this high strangeness that was happening. And I was like, and they're like, maybe there's something to that. And I was like, well, you know, I used to think that too until I realized that the '50s were also equally as weird, and so weren't the '70s, and so on. And then it just mm -hmm. kind of got away from me, and I was like, uh, maybe there's not something <laughs> to that. I don't. <laughs> You know, because it's like the more you kind of start looking into the void the more it looks back and you're like this never really stopped did it um right it, it doesn't you know <laughs> and i think that's a big misconception that people have is they're like oh yeah the, you know they'd be like oh this happened in you know for for me in my area it's it's the 1960s and it's like of course it was the 19 and it's like but what does that mean exactly because it's just you know there just so happens to be you know, like someone who's very vocal and make sure to put it out in front of people during that, during that era, which yeah. makes people think like, this is the only time that it was happening. Uh, right. You know, Keel was out there just, you know, with, with the ideas that he was talking about, like it got on people's radar yeah. and they're like, well, maybe something is going on here. That's weird. But then you got, you know, like the fifties and stuff like that with, with Huvelmans and Sanderson. Yeah. They weren't like being flashy about it. They, no, were, they were recording just as many strange occurrences of, of mysterious animals and encounters, but they weren't being flashy. They were doing it from a scholarly point of view. Yeah, right. Exactly. One of the questions I was asked at the at the recent Paranormal Expo was about um, whether or not I thought that, you know, how the earth tilts on its axis every so often, if I thought that that had anything to do with any of this stuff. Um, and I was like, I mean, we've looked into it, but you know, again, the the idea here that I'm trying to tell you guys while I'm here today is that this these things never ended. They never stopped and began anywhere. They've, it's always been. And right. you know, that, that's just, a, I think that's a big, you know, and, and it's a mistake I've made. I mean, I, I've, I've done it. I've, I've delved into it. You know, we, you know, I map things and time and timelines. And, you know, that was my first theory was a, a timeline that I was working on that had started with the Roswell crash. And, um, you know, that I found out how wrong I was because, you just keep adding more. You're like, well, this predates Roswell. Well, this happened after the 1960s. Well, this happened after the 1970s. And it just doesn't, it gets away from you. So, um, you know, it is, it's, it's hard to say that there's a connection there or, or anything. I think that 
demographically there are connections. Would you agree that that there are certain demographics that have more high strangeness than others? I, you know, on on a surface a, a surface level type answer, I'd say yeah. Um, it seems like certain areas are more prone um, for weird things to happen, but I. Th- think again if you were to like spend time really digging into not just those areas but the the areas that bleed out from them yeah just as many strange things uh will be reported there a lot of the time uh you know for these historical ones they may have happened in a certain location but they're categorized in another larger area uh because um you know, people might not know that small area. It's like, oh, well, it's, you know, if, if you're in Wisconsin, it's like, oh, you're close enough to Madison. We're, so we're, it, it, we'll say that, you know, it happened in Madison, but it didn't happen in Madison. You know, it might've happened 20 miles away from Madison. So then over time, people are like, oh, this event happened in Madison. And then it's like, they kind of cluster it all up. Um, I think if someone were to like really dig into the data, they might find some of those ones where they didn't actually happen, where they said they did. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, the map would change. But I, I do think there are areas, though, which, you know, weird things do generally tend to occur. But how readily those do occur, uh, <laughs> I have the slightest idea. Right. Well, yeah, that's a big, uh, that's, a, well, I was just speaking with, uh, what's his name? Jeff, Jeff Craig, who does the uh, Map in Black project. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's pretty, um, it, it's mostly Ohio because he's, he's based in Ohio, um, but he's done West Virginia too. And he's done the entire, he's done a big map of the United States and he's been mapping out these areas. And, you know, we were talking about it and just talking about, you know, he's been doing this since I think 2007, maybe before that. Um, and the map, he's getting ready to come out with this fourth edition of the map and, you know, because new things are added or, you know, what have you, but we were just talking about, he's like, you know, I can't add everything to it. Like, it's not, it's, you know, it's just me doing it. And, <laughs> you know, that's right. another thing. Like, this is a big, big, big project that takes a lot of time and energy and effort into. Um, and so, you know, until you got, I, I suppose if you wanted to get a team of people on, I mean, you would just find that it's never ending trying to dig. And ma- I think it's important to map these things, but I think that if you really try to dig and make a complete map, you just never could finish it. It just wouldn't. Well, well how many incidences too were like you might have a, a a monster like like here, you know, people talk about the Devil's Lake monster at Devil's Lake State Park. But there's also another Devil's Lake uh, farther out, uh, farther out west where there's a monster that's said to inhabit it. So which one of those ones predated the other and which one were they just like, oh, this is the devil's light they're talking about. So there's a monster in there when there never was, but then a legend, you know, grew from it or yeah. the, the same thing. How many things are being miscategorized? Um, like in Lake Tahoe, uh, there's, there's said to be a monster in it and they call it skin fin. Uh, it's kind of like a, a shark, but the original skin fin story took place in a Lake Tahoe in Florida, mm-hmm. not where, you know, the famous Lake Tahoe is at, but people didn't know that. So then they attributed it to it. So, you know, there's a lot of them that could be a result of that where someone trying to do research doesn't fully do it, gives it the wrong area. And then was like, Ooh, well, we have a monster that's close to that too. So let's put it here. And then it, it, it builds off of, you know, uh, a mistake to begin with. Sure. sure. Well, and then of course, marketing as well. I mean, there, you know, some of these, uh, dying cities and and point pleasant is is the best example of it you know they definitely monetize their monsters 
And, uh, you know, so how much of that could be, you know, for tourism and, and, and things like that. So there's a lot mm-hmm. to, to consider, <laughs> you know, yeah. with, with, with these things. I, I agree with that. Um, so what do you, I mean, you know, with this, this institute and with you, you know, cataloging these things and of course sharing your opinion, um, what, you know, what do you want to accomplish? What, what's the, what's the end game here? Well, my ultimate goal is to just make sure that these stories aren't lost. Um, you know, I've, I've compiled three books now of, of various newspaper articles for specific categories. The first one, uh, monsters in print is, is pulling these, um, these newspaper stories involving monsters. Um, we haven't even talked about your books. Gosh, I forgot. I forgot to mention them. I'm sorry. I don't want to write books. That's completely fine. Uh, but the ultimate goal is the same as the website. Um, sure. You know, a lot of these stories, uh, they were written once and they were completely forgotten. Um, and that wasn't the intention of the person who originally wrote them. So I like being able to bring them back in a way where people can be like, I never knew about that. Um, you know, the, the second one was about ghosts and there's some very obscure ghost stories in there that a lot of people haven't heard, you know, in over 200 years. Um, the most recent one is all about oddities and it, it, it details, you know, just strange across the board. Um, you know, monsters, freaks of nature, spontaneous combustion, animals raining from the sky, all of that. But again, it's these stories that were written once, uh, faded away into obscurity and, you know, they might not have been read for nearly 200 years. And I don't want that to happen. You know, a lot of people view the Midwest as just the flyover region and nothing goes on here, but, um, you know, there's a lot of strange stuff if oh, yeah. people would just be willing to to look for it rather than just be like, oh, these are these are the famous things in this category and we don't need any more. Sure. Yeah. So I that's, agree with that's that. the ultimate goal is for just people to know that weird stuff happens here as well and for them to possibly, you know, tell it later on and keep the stories alive. Sure. I, don't know. I think that's a good. Has anybody, um, you know, come out to you and, and been I'm sure people have shared their encounters um you know or their experiences or whatever has anybody ever you know maybe read something that you had posted or and they were like oh my god you know i thought i was the only one maybe they had identified with one of the sightings or anything like that there has been um people who have read something like hey i experienced something similar or my family experienced something similar um you know and and if i feel it's credible if it's a credible account um i'll i'll share it on the website. A lot of the times you kind of have to like really um, dig into what people are saying. And and that, of course you have to do the research on that too. Oh, yeah. Like, are they just saying it to be part of the history of it? Or is there something there? Uh, what I really like is I just recently, you know, uh, I received an email from an environmental scientist who is doing a project with their firm on a river in, um, Indiana or Iowa, Indiana. I can't remember offhand. Now I feel bad for it, <laughs> but uh, they they're, they're doing a project on this river where in 1884, there was said to be a, a battle with a river monster, which involved cannons and, you know, the stealing of livestock and people hunting this wow. thing. And they had no idea. Uh, so this is another story that was lost. Um, or like you really had to dig through the state archives and, and college uh, collections of folklore to find it. But, you know, they were working in an area where, you know, 
a giant monster was said to have been killed and they had no idea. And they, they, they just wrote to like, say, thanks, like, Hey, thanks for bringing this to our attention. This is, this is so cool. We didn't know. So it's like that. It's like, this was, you know, that that's, I think is the, the coolest part when someone's like, I learned something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that is really neat. Pat, do you have any, uh, any questions for our guest here? Yeah, do you have anything specific to my neck of the woods, Chicago? That's not the Mothman, or like, what's your what good <laughs> stuff do you have from down here? Um, there is in in the most recent book, uh, there's a story that comes to mind in oddities, oddities in print from the 1800s, which someone believes it's like an early Bigfoot sighting of when one of the rivers, the main rivers through town, was frozen, and they watched this big hairy creature like kill and drag a deer and then chase after some people like on the river. Wow. Also there is one recorded shark attack in Lake Michigan, uh, by Chicago. That's Um, cool. Yeah. I guess I I wrote, (laughs) I wrote an article about that one. It's about the Lake Michigan monster. Um, that was a pretty fun one, but yeah, in, in the global, database of shark attacks there is one shark attack listed for lake michigan near chicago where it is said a young boy was bit by a shark and the shark managed to escape and a legend about the lake michigan monster um kind of was prevalent for a while and then it also faded into obscurity were you aware of the lake michigan monster uh resurgence of like maybe two, three years ago when there was that video where it was like, uh, there was a couple of videos and then, uh, somebody had gone around town putting, hanging up flyers, looking for information. And I was doing a podcast for Loyola university at the time. And I got to the person the week after barstool sports got a hold of him because barstool's barstool sports was out of here as well. Chicago. So they, one of their, even though that's not like their beat, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they still do like, you know, comedic content throughout the day or whatever. They got a hold of this chick's flyers before I did by a matter of days and got her story and and talked to her and just made a whole fucking joke out of it. And uh, by the time I got a hold of her trying to get her to come on the podcast I was doing for Loyola, she didn't want nothing of it. And uh, I never heard more about it. I, I remember seeing videos and stuff, but I know some of them were, you know, was, the videos or, were janky and they, and yeah. they were, and it was Lake Michigan, but it wasn't Chicago. I, th- I want to say some of it was over on the actual Michigan side. Of it was like a rubber mat caught along yeah, the, it was, the, the docks and stuff like that. The videos never did much for me, but there was, there was a, there was a kind of a, 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 a mini flap of sightings, like just kind of word of mouth stuff, not stuff that was actually like recorded but people saying oh i was running alongside the lake and thought i saw something and this person put out these flyers to collect info and she was collecting people's stories people were actually calling her and giving her stories and then barstool sports got a hold of her and she shut the whole thing down see that's interesting because i wonder what people were reporting because the classic depictions of of the lake michigan monster at the time ranged from uh, you know, the classic giant serpent to giant fish. Uh, someone reported having an encounter with a monster whale, which kind of knocked around some ships. 
Yeah. So it, it had a lot of different appearances. And this was, you know, this um this kind of predated uh the the classic depiction of 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 lake monsters once uh Nessie got its plesiosaur look after you know the original King Kong came out when all lake monsters kind of changed to the dinosaur appearance. So this thing had a whole bunch of different descriptions. So I wonder what people were saying it looked like. It's I I want to say it was I first of all I love the whale one. That's that's if I'm putting money on anything it's that I want there to be a giant fucking whale down there. <laughs> but I think it was more of the plesiosaur long neck you know, elongated body, giant eel type thing. Um, but I, I didn't get any of them. I don't know. You, you know, um, right. but those, I remember those two videos at surface weren't worth shit either. Um, well, has, have, I, I do find it to be extremely interesting. Like, you know, when everyone's perceptions, it's like all lake monsters became, you know, dinosaur esque. Like, right. Once someone starts saying, I saw a dinosaur in this lake, or I saw a plesiosaur in this lake, you know, my mind automatically turns off because it's like, okay, it's just the main pop culture image. But if someone were to report nowadays, I saw a maned horse headed looking serpent come out of the water. It's like, okay, now you're going back to like early 19th century. And you're like, there might be something here because those don't get reported anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. That's my, that's why I tell people my favorite cryptid is, is caddy. And so the Caborosaurus and everybody's like, what? Yeah. It's got like that droopy camel face in it. Yeah. It looks sad. Yeah. <laughs> but it's crazy to think that like when, when you talk about freshwater uh, lake, like, you know, water monsters, yeah, they're all dinosaurs and stuff. But if you were to talk about giant ocean monsters, you know what I mean? It's what are people going to gravitate more towards? Giant squids. You know what I mean? Or giant sharks. There was a long flat back in the day where people were describing sea dragons, which look like giant alligators, uh, like just massive marine alligators. And then those slowly transformed into, you know, camel headed uh, serpents with large eyes that would do battle with ships. Um, But then again, the 1930s rolled around and, um, you know, with the release of the original King Kong, where people saw you know, an aquatic dinosaur on screen. Um, and not long after that, like the first dinosaur description of Loch Ness monster came out. And when the papers ran that, that's what everyone started changing the descriptions to. So, you know, how many of these things no longer get reported because people are looking for the dinosaur appearance and they're not looking for, you know, like a giant monster whale, like they're like, oh, that's not a, a monster. That's just a whale. But it's like, mm, but you're not really looking at it. So you're you're looking at this this description that is not possible in the least because it can't do what you're saying it does. But it, it's just it's very interesting. That's why I love aquatic monsters because there's so much controversy around them, but there's yeah. so much like amazing history. Yeah. And then if you start, well, when you start talking about, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, ocean life, then it kind of, you're like, well, anything goes out there. <laughs> you know? right. so, um, but no, it is that I agree. That is a lot of, I, I think that that's really exciting. I think that the only logical explanation is that they're all shapeshifters, guys. That's what it is. <laughs> um, Everything's an oarfish. Everything <laughs> is an oarfish. Do you, so what are the guys things- are cool. You mentioned it kind of in passing, but you have several books that are available through on Amazon and through your website. 
where you yes. kind of go through and you compile uh, some of the first recorded um, descriptions of these creatures. Have you? And it's kind of it's it, it's interesting because, like, obviously from a historical perspective, like you're studying the evolution of you know people reporting these things, but it's kind of a, I would assume from a media standpoint, um, there's a component of that too, where you're studying the kind of the way that the media changes over the years. Do you see the the, the very descriptions kind of change throughout the decades as these reports? Oh yeah. And is it, and I think, isn't that so telling that like, maybe we really need to, maybe y'all need to, this is what y'all need to go do. Y'all need to go and buy Adam's books because what he has is before pop culture consciousness takes over and we're all brainwashed into reporting and seeing the same things. Um, It's funny that like, yeah, the, the main thing, like you can really see when the article's being written, whether or not the person writing it believes that there's any truth to it or not. Uh, the ones where, you know, they're just looking to fill page space, you know, they, they will go to lengths to, you know, uh, kind of make fun of the credibility of the witness, or they will poke fun at, well, this town has a, you know, it's known that big drinkers come from this area or anything like that. They'll, right. they'll throw that in there, but the ones that they, they don't embellish it. Um, they put just matter of fact with the person who saw says they saw in there, even if it's, you know, a very short article, they're giving you just the, the quote unquote facts of it. And you can see this progression where, you know, early on it would be very serious. And then as the years progress, it took on a more joking matter, but then it went back to like a serious tone and then it, it ebbs and flows with whether or not they believe it. But some of the early description of what could be described as uh, like Bigfoot, um, there some of them are described in such a way that if you didn't know when they were written, you could you could swear that you know it was written yesterday, not two hundred years ago. Well, because I've... they're describing the exact same thing, but they didn't know what to call it. They just said wild man or hairy man or cow man. They would describe them as such too. You know, it's some of those early newspapers, though, when you think about actually where we were at as a country when those things came out, my wife and I were watching, um, I, she watches it, I had sat down and watched 10 minutes of it with her, but like that Tombstone prequel, 1833, and we were talking about settlers, and I'm like, these crazy, fu- not, not that I'm a white nationalist or anything, people, calm the fuck down, but these crazy fucking Europeans that like got on boats and like came all the way across the fucking ocean. And then mm-hmm. got here and then got in wagons and went from one end of the country to the other and fought fucking weather and animals and rivers and Indians and cholera and all kinds of shit to settle this. It's amazing to think that we share the fucking DNA with those people, because mm-hmm. if, <laughs> if you look at how coddled we are now, and it's also it's also interesting to see America being the leader in the space program, because it's that same DNA that propelled all those people back then to get in those boats and come across the ocean and, and go across the plains and all that shit. That's the same. That's the same gene that says, all right, you know what? Shoot me up into the fucking sky. Let's see what happens. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it, it, you have a lot of those, those cases, like with those people at that time, you know, it's reported that they saw something and they put a party together to go hunt it. Like right. they weren't stopping. They were like, we're going to find this thing. And they, they try. And the thing, like there's multiple stories. There's one on the great lakes up in the, up in the UP 
where this party of hunters, which can only be described as a Bigfoot nowadays, shot this thing and chased it up a tree and it had no choice. But this thing jumped into Lake Michigan and drowned itself. Like they couldn't go after it. The dogs chased it to the edge. It was shot. It had no other choice. And they described it as extremely tall, very well built. Uh, It did not wear clothes. It was covered in hair and it left big footprints. And like, it's very fact of the matter. It, it, so it's kind of like, well, yeah, because newspapers (laughs) back then were like legitimately telling people like, look, we went another 50 miles that way. This is what we saw. Like, Mm -hmm. like they, why are they going to lie? Because things that they came across, they were discovering new things every day. It was a brand new country. It was, there was new threats. There was new dangers. There was new things being discovered all of the time. And these things would have been treated as matter of factly as a pack of wild wolves or a, you know, a, a herd of Buffalo or something. It was just another element of nature that we had to contend with. Oh yeah. Cause and, they, they, they'd put a story in there like farmer Johnson down the road had his chicken coop broken into by a bear or, you know, a herd of cow was killed by a mountain lion or, and then you'd get the one that's like the, uh, the, uh, what is it? The, the root cellar out back was broken into by a giant unknown creature. It's kind of like, they're not gonna, some of them they might embellish. You have to, you have to really look into what paper you're kind of reading, but a lot of them, it's like, they're going to, they're going to describe the monster as well as they would as they were describing a bear. Right. Like they're letting people know that something weird happened and just be on guard. Mm -hmm. My problem. I think, I think, I think a big problem. I think the biggest problem in America now is that there's not enough of these um like hunting parties anymore? You know what oh, I mean? Don't you don't, don't you miss poke, those? Baby, you're poking the bear, stabbing. <laughs> That's <laughs> everybody. I was telling you before the, before his, the show uh, started. I was telling Ashers about a proposed Milwaukee trip with me and uh, fellow D-list celebrity Mike Vanderbilt, and uh, I was gonna I was gonna honestly turn it into a working trip, and and one day we were going to have to go in and maybe do some beast of Bray road hunting hunt some monsters oh yeah, yeah. you gotta join in on that on that fun no i uh i no, i love that so th- those are some of my favorite stories when they when they get the you know the people together and uh you know they try to take it out frankenstein style um you know i i like that <laughs> anyway well, what was you know what hold on just real quick while we're talking about ancient newspapers and shit what was the what was the the thunderbird story though that you knew was fake that like you were you were talking about Ashes you had it was in um it was it it wasn't tombstone arizona the tombstone photo- oh, photograph yeah. the thunderbird photograph yeah now that was le- that was legitimately faked or like the what's photo the deal was fake the article it's hotly debated whether or not the article was actually real or if it was a piece of yellow journalism wow that's and what age was thing. what year was that the mid to late 1800s i want to say somewhere between 1850 and 1889 but don't quote me on that i'm not entirely sure offhand right so like when going and i know that you know this this, this, tonight's topic isn't necessarily hoaxes but what do you think the motivation is at that point to start hoaxing shit just to sell papers or just uh just for a goof or i mean yeah a lot of a lot of it um could be a a way to bring people to live in your town 
Um, if you're going to be bringing in a bunch of people to go searching for a monster, they're going to need places to say, stay. So the local hotels uh, would make a, a lot of money. Uh, the local shops would make a lot of money. Um, they might bring in so many people that they'd have to, you know, uh, eventually build a railroad uh, there. It becomes a stop. People start setting up businesses. Anything- and how do, how do we know that was faked? The Thunderbird, the, the photo? Yeah. So there, there's an, and this is where it becomes really fun. So the story goes on. So originally the story talks about two cowboys who are out and they um, were essentially, this bird was like kind of chasing them, but they ended up chasing the bird. Uh, they shot it and it was described almost like a dragon, kind of like how you would think a pterosaur would be mm-hmm. described. And they talked about how they left it there, but they cut off a part of it to bring it back into town to prove that it, that it happened and they were going to go back and get it later. Some point along the way, someone started talking about how they brought it back and they ended up taking a photo of it. And this isn't the only one that they saw. They saw and they killed another one. And they described how this photo was taken. This photo was never seen, though. This this was a big thing in papers at that time. They would describe um, a photo being taken. They would describe a, a drawing being made, um, a sketch, anything like that. They would never show it, though. Um, so that was one of the, the, the aspects of it. You have to really deep dive into whether or not you know it's true or false because they might have done it they just didn't have the means to to reproduce that image in their paper depending on where they were at so they're talking about this photo later on then people start saying that oh i remember being a kid and i saw in a magazine or a book that thunderbird photo and i remember being younger and flipping through an old book and seeing a thunderbird photo and then, but I, I could never remember it. So what I saw was either, you know, some recreation for the book or, you know, a drawing or whatever, but I remember seeing it and it kind of, it kind of set up that, that, um, that Mandela effect kind of in your mind where you're like, I swear I, this is how it was. So, and then later on a picture actually showed up and it shows like a bunch of men standing in front of a barn with like a pterodactyl or a pterosaur nailed to this barn. But no one like gave any info on where it came from. So everyone's like, this is legit. This is the actual photo. But then another one came out, a bunch of civil war soldiers standing around this, this giant uh, pterosaur. And everyone's saying this is real, but that turned out to be a hoax. So where this photo actually came from, no one knows, but everyone can kind of agree. It doesn't fit the timeline on when this actual story was written, but it's kind of gone down in history as like a major piece of this puzzle. So the story is probably legit, right? Because the story- In a way, yes. But but somewhere in the eighties and nineties or or whatever, people started looking for photos that they couldn't find, so they made their own. So the photo Pretty that much, yeah. you see associated with it is BS, but the story itself. All right, that makes me feel better. I it, thought it, that it was faked back. I thought it was hooked back in the eighteen hundreds, and I was like, why would they do that back then? But no, that's not what happened been. at all. Well, like, yeah, I mean, it could have been a bullshit story from the start. No, I believe cowboys were out there fighting dinosaurs. That's the world I want to live in. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
That's that's the that's reality good. I subscribe to. Okay, yes, yes. When Cowboys headed west, it, they it, had <laughs> to take down pterodactyls all the fucking time. One of the tropes, though, about like papers at that time is they would always end it on a cliffhanger, and it was it, there was always you know it it was one of like three of them, you know one of them. The first one was always the Smithsonian got involved. And they're like, we'll follow up after the, the Smithsonian has the results. People still say that now. That's yeah. still a very popular claim. Anyway, I, go ahead. That place is like the warehouse in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's got to be. They, uh, which reminds me, after after this, make me, remind me to tell you my movie idea. Oh, God. <laughs> they, okay. Uh, yeah. But uh, the Smithsonian would always get involved and they would take the thing and it would disappear. That was always like number one. Number two is the thing that they killed was too big. They were too far away from civilization. So they took a part of it or they marked the location to go back later. They never did a follow up. Three, it was put in some general store or pharmacy for people to come see it. But then the person uh, like takes it out of the window and there was some tragedy, like the building burned down or they got robbed and the thing was stored. Or it rotted and then they, they, didn't, they didn't preserve it and they were in the middle of fucking Arizona and it just, you know. Right. So it always <laughs> ends it always ends like that. And it's like they never do any follow-up. So they they make you think that, oh, maybe the next issue will have it. So then you buy the paper and they get more money. Like, and then once that's run its course, they'll run another monster story, whether that one is true or not, they got you hooked because they keep telling you they're going to give you an update and they never give you an update. Yeah. It's just, it's marketing is what it is. Well, what do you think about the, uh, the fact that people think that, I'm sorry, I got to go back to the Thunderbird photograph. I would like to believe that it's out there. And (laughs) that's, that's, that's me. That's my bias. But what do you think about the fact that people say that they didn't see it in the book, but they had seen it when Ivan Sanderson showed it on TV in a, on a, on a, I think a Canadian talk show it was. I am not aware of that. Oh yeah. Sanderson owned this photo was very public about owning it. And, and a lot of people say that they remember seeing it because he was on a talk show you know I'll, I'll talk i'll talk to you about it afterwards it's a, it's a little project i'm undertaking but yeah that's uh that's something that yeah we'll, we'll talk about it some more um <laughs> you know maybe maybe the magic will stay alive a little bit for you but uh, I, I had a hot tip uh from somebody that says that the photograph is actually um sitting at a teeny tiny settlers museum in texas and that they I've, heard, I've heard those too that it's at a little museum in in the south uh and it's not publicly noted but whenever someone's like asked to provide a picture of it there's like, never any there's never a picture or it's always an excuse of oh the museum won't let me take photos or uh i i didn't have my phone at the time or my camera or they just stop responding it's right. it's the, it's the classic uh it's the classic i got a hot piece of information for you and then you will never hear from me again and that's what i said i'm like well where is this museum at because like i will fucking jump on a plane tomorrow and go there if it means Mm -hmm. that i can prove that this photograph exists i will i'll do it and they've never disclosed that information so i'm gonna ask them again because it's someone that i talk to regularly but uh you know but it could be you know it very well could be sitting in a little settlers museum that's just kind of a part of a little park somewhere that you know just Nobody really visits or pays attention to. Or it's or... like, you know, one of the early copies of the Declaration of Independence. Someone took it. They hid it behind like a photo that's hanging in someone's kitchen. And they don't know that this piece of crypto history is packed behind like a really bad oil painting. 
Well, and that's what Sanderson said was that he gave the photograph to a family member of of one of the men that shot this thing. And he, you know, never disclosed who it was. So I don't know. Interesting. Sanderson's not really the type of guy that would make those kinds of claims, but I you know maybe i don't know anyway we'll we'll talk we'll talk about it more i think you'll find it i think you'll be interested um but yeah so anyway <laughs> that has been that's always a fun story to talk about um i think it's probably one of the most well-known when i think of like old articles um and i try to think about you know reading through all these old articles it's it, it gets kind of grating um sometimes because it's a lot of the same again they're going to post an update and there's no follow-up or there's no pictures because pictures weren't much of a thing then or you know what have you i refer people to like the old um postcards you know what i'm talking yep. about yep. you know and like you know like the origins of the jackalope and you know <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> um because that's really um a, those are really good i mean that's a that's a really good um indicator of the times i suppose and kind of what media was like then and it's it's fast information that you can get that i feel like is engaging to the average person who you know maybe you don't like to read or maybe you don't like to comb over all the articles or you know whatever it is i, I highly recommend looking up old-timey postcards <laughs> oh yeah some some of them are are fantastic the imagery that they put on there yeah oh yeah they really are and uh you know some they're i mean they look really great um but you know and then we've had mock-ups since then you know in recent times that have just been like the one with the grasshopper i'm sure you've seen the one with the giant grasshopper yeah and um you know but i don't think that was an old-timey one I, i'm pretty sure that was an old picture that somebody had edited later on but even then it was probably early like early 2000s when someone did it i mean so the technology has been there for a while for people to kind of you know kind of feed fuel into the fire of of these hoaxes or these old timey you know these, these folk tales basically um you know that that's definitely a good indicator there but uh yeah that's uh that's what i got so what what are you doing what are you working on now what's what's next um because the the most recent book is done i'm back to doing um you know individual articles a month about a, a deep dive into a strange um subject that'll that'll go on until an idea uh really takes hold for another big project i do have something stirring around um kind of holding it close to the chest right now because the minute i say it then i like hold myself to a timeline and i hate doing that <laughs> so it's like yeah, i'll work on it whenever i feel like it but as of right now it's just um a lot of deep dives into strange incidences and stories um the most recent one i did was the ghost elephant of baraboo um did a, a nice deep dive into into that wisconsin legend um doing one now about lake huron um so just just random midwest stuff across the board sure okay well where can people uh find all these things all of this can be found at pinebarrensinstitute.com. Uh, from there, it's like links to Instagram, Twitter, the shop. Um, just that's the main hub. Uh, you won't really find anything on Facebook. I tell people that straight up. Facebook is kind of a wasteland when it comes to what I want to do. So I keep stuff off of there. <laughs> sure. That's okay. That's all right. Pat, did you have anything else to add before we, uh, we close? No, I'm good. I can't wait to talk about all the things you guys want to talk about off air. I'm excited. It's gonna <laughs> all be... the super secret stuff, right? Like, let's get to that thing. shit. Yeah. Oh, can I say my, my movie idea before? Oh, I didn't know if that was part of your. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, go ahead. Let's pitch I movie want, ideas. 
I want to, it could be a movie or like a series or anything, but I want it to follow around a new employee of the Smithsonian, Smithsonian who was sent out to bring all of this stuff back, but has to then cover it up that it did not happen. Like there's a Thunderbird that was shot, go out and get it, but then try and convince people that it wasn't that, but it's set in like the 18, 1900s. Mm. They're after giants. They're after Thunderbirds, dead Bigfoot, you know, strange monsters, all of that. Well, you have, well, you have an elder, you have Bruce Campbell, who's been doing this for the past 30 years, training his replacement, who's a young woman. And, uh, you know, <laughs> already as, sold on Bruce Campbell. Yeah, as, they go, Bruce Campbell that's all. as they go to different parts of the country, he could, he could kind of, I'm, did you remember the Avengers of Briscoe County Jr.? I thought oh, yeah. of that when you brought it up right away. That was it was a Bruce Campbell cowboy show yep. that was ran for like a season or two, and it had some weird sci-fi elements. But uh, yeah, you have Bruce Campbell as the elder statesman. You have a, a, a plucky young uh, archaeologist uh, from the university that's been uh, picked to take his place, and he introduces her into the world. And um, you know, in different towns, he can have different companions. Obviously, we'll bring in some Native just, Americans or something. Just imagine know? an episode where it's like it's about the Thunderbird uh, incident, and they're like, "Hey, they uh, shot this Thunderbird. Go get it." Then they go get it, and they're like, "Did you get the photograph?" I'm like, what photograph? And they have to go back out and then find it. And oh like, yeah. God, well, God and that's yeah. and that's just the monster of the week shit. The overall, <laughs> the overall uh, plot line for season one or maybe even the whole series has to be what the fuck is in the grand Canyon. Oh, that hidden temple down there. Yeah. Or, or whatever, whatever, whatever we want to have down there. We could have, we could have a UFO <laughs> down there. We could have Noah's Ark down there. You know okay, what I mean? Just, but, I, I need to ask because there's a lot of people who don't know what I'm talking about. I know I didn't dream this. Does anyone remember the story of the person who found that strange temple inside the grand canyon with weird statues and then eventually they like the government you can't go in that area anymore i've been listening to coast to coast for so i've heard so many grand canyon stories i i mean i don't i don't know which one specifically you're talking about but everything you just said rang true to me on some level it's like they're they're climbing it's on the side there's not a path to it you have to like scale your way down but there was an opening and it looked like there was carvings that looked like egyptian and aztec and there was giant thrones inside this giant room inside the canyon and it's like they reported it and like the government's like nope this area is off limits and it's like they've been trying to get back to it ever since well that's you know that's what a lot of people so let's talk about that for a second if there was if there was evidence of a giant civilization in uh like you know prehistory america why would the government want to suppress that knowledge is it because they just at the time it was so confusing to them they didn't know what they had and they didn't want to let it out you know what i mean um mm-hmm. it was going to be too world changing too quick or is it because it's, you know, like you like your your idea about the Smithsonian, a concerted effort to suppress knowledge of X, and we know what X is. Or is X just a variable that everything that we don't we can't automatically explain 
at first fi- at first find, then we need to suppress it until we can explain it. Because if you think about it, if you talk about a, a nationally run scientific institute, wouldn't it do that with any new evidence that popped up? I mean, like, we can't just like, are, we're not just going to like release everything to the public the minute we find it, right? Right. Like, I think it's more along the way I think of it as, you know, they trying to get people to come over to what would eventually be North America. You know, they wanted to get people on the side of the ruling party and, and the, the, um, like the church that was in control of certain areas and things like that. So for them to be like, Oh, don't be scared. There's nothing wrong here. Oh shit. We found these giant bones. Don't let anyone know they're going to panic. They're going to leave. And then it got to the point where it's just like, we've we're too deep. Now we can't let people know we lied to them from the beginning or we're going to lose their trust. Uh, they're not going to do what we say anymore. So we have to keep this under wraps forever type of thing. It's like they, they went with the lie and they got way too into it and they could never like reverse course. Well, in any case, I think that makes the perfect big bad for your, uh, for your Smithsonian idea, because yes, for the most part, they spend their, their time, you know, taking trains from state to state, chasing down Thunderbirds and Lake monsters and, and, and whatever but there's this over there's this bigger picture of the grand canyon and what's in that temple and everything and what that means and you know just because you're let in on this level doesn't mean that you're ready to be let in you know you're not you don't know all the secrets you know right and and there's stuff that's still you know and you see the information slowly being fed to the new recruit uh Bruce Campbell's slowly kind of introducing the new recruit into the into the fold, but there's stuff that he doesn't even know, and he's been with it from the beginning. There's been stuff that he's been shut out of, so it's this whole like you know the beginning of secrecy and uh, conspiracy and all this stuff. I think it's a great that's, idea. That's what you can it, call it: the beginning of secrecy. <laughs> right. I I like all, that it's Bruce Campbell. That's that sells me for sure. Yeah, I think you got to you got to you got to pitch it as a Netflix series or something because it's a period piece, so it's going to be expensive. You're not going to shoot the shit with your friends, but oh, uh, for sure, you know. If you guys want to get in on this, I I, I will oh, yeah. gladly do this as a team. Let's do I, it. Yeah, I will. I will store. I will spit all ideas with you all night long. I think this we is. We just awesome. probably should record ourselves and then and then put it out there because we probably already said enough to have our shit stolen. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You better hurry up and do it. Oh whatever. This summer, I, I want to watch it. I don't want to have to work on it. I just want. Right. <laughs> I would rather just fast forward three years and be able to sit on my couch and watch this shit. When um, the thing they got to bring back is too large, they they create a circus around it, and they're like, "Oh, we're going to charge people to see ten cents, and we get close enough to Washington, then it disappears forever." That's so accurate. <laughs> oh, that's so accurate. That's funny as fuck. No, I would be totally down. I would. Yeah, let's do this. Let's make let's make a movie, guys. The Netflix show, but oh, I'm sorry. Let's make it. That's right. You're we're, right. It's, we're just putting together a package. We're selling the idea to someone else. We're we'll, we'll, what we do you think? We're gonna, I'm gonna shoot this with my iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> I'll shoot it with mine. <laughs> yeah. I'll throw mine in too. We right. all, so we, all we can all use. We got so three we iPhones. Got a camera crew now, and we'll have on a gimbal and, and hold the boom mic. And Tobias will hold the clapper, and uh, <laughs> we'll film this thing up in Janesville, and. Uh, got a whole yeah. crew we can yeah, emily that. can do the poster for it so yeah you're right, it's, right. yeah we got a whole crew 
Someone's got to at uh, Bruce Campbell on Twitter to see if he's got anything going on. He would do it. <laughs> you know, that's the thing is that <laughs> I don't think it would be hard to get Bruce Campbell involved. I think he would be like, yeah. <laughs> I bet if you promised to kill him at the end of the first season, he would do it. Seriously, he'd probably be like, all right, yeah, and then you give me a death scene, you know, you're not going to, you know, and, and, and it'll, it'll be a little, little bit of a dramatic turn to him, turn for him, and give him And some then I never have to commit to this again. <laughs> right, he, he do it for one season, and we'll bring you back. I mean, come on, we'll figure yeah. something out if you really want to do it again. We got to bring in notable people at the time, too. Like, I want to see an appearance by Robert Ripley, who's like, they're, they're going to him for like, have you ever seen anything like this? And he's like, yeah, I can spin it around, though, and I can make it seem fake. That's a good well, idea. yeah, you oh, could do God. a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen of the Old West or something. Oh, my God. You could do like, oh, oh, I'll bring in fucking, uh, what's his name? Swearagen. We'll make, we'll, we'll figure out a way to have Deadwood in this. You know what I mean? Like, why not? We're going to combine Deadwood and Tombstone and uh, what's the other good old Western shit? I don't know. <laughs> well. Anyway, maybe you guys want to crowdfund this. I don't know. We'll, uh... <laughs> Get P.T. Barnum in there, too, because he was uh, a notable uh, shyster as well. Yeah, none of that uh, the greatest showman bullshit. I mean, come on now. What was that about? Remember that? <laughs> everybody was so up. I don't know. You know what? Everybody was like, oh, my God, have you seen the greatest showman? I'm like, yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> I'm still going to ask Hugh Jackman to do it just because. That'd be awesome. <laughs> He might do it. Oh, play PT Barnum again? Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, with that, uh, with that there, um, let us know what you guys think. Would you watch something like this? Of course you would. If you fucking listen to the show, you'd if watch. You've made it to this point in the show, right? <laughs> you, you, you drink the Kool Aid on all our fucking ideas. You're definitely watching the show. Honestly, if you've listened to this point in this episode, you would probably end up being in it because you're probably somebody that knows us very well that we're actually friends with. <laughs> That's not true. In real life. <laughs> Whatever. I love every single one of you. Just the people that have listened up to this point. The rest, the rest, everybody else that didn't listen up, listen up to this point. You just pretend to like them when you run into them. And but you're, yeah. but the people that are listening right now, you really like them. I really do like them. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to this point, tweet this specific word: purple pies. Purple pies. That's I love it. That. If you yes, if you listen to this point purple pies that's the passcode i don't know what you get but that's the passcode you get you get a part in the show it's true you get a part in the show and and my undying love so oh and that that. is worth twelve hundred dollars from what i've heard street value (laughs) exactly twelve hundred dollars that's right (laughs) (laughs) all right well (laughs) okay i'm gonna close this thing we're what i think we're done here anybody (laughs) that's listening to the show obviously go go check out adam and all the stuff that he does go buy his books so that we can make this movie with the money that that you spend on his books and um you know of course learn you some stuff about some things in the midwest um you know in the progression of media exactly. not just about the paranormal look at it as a study in media and how how journalism progressed throughout the ages you gotta have you know you have to you have to be aware of all the hats in order to to work in this field we're just that great um yep. you know <laughs> so yep. well adam thank you so much for coming on um i'm sure we can have you back again at some point thanks for um, having me it was great absolutely absolutely well until then guys we'll uh see you back here next wednesday